What's up, Wisconsin? Happy New Year. Back in the Inside Wisconsin show, Trevor John here on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. J.A., Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So I love that we kind of had two anniversaries on this show. We have like the season, the start of, you know, hey, this is yeah. the news. And then here's the start of the new year, even though they, mm -hmm. they don't quite. But this is good. We have a new year. We're into whatever this year is. I think technically this is the fourth year now we're into doing this. It or is. Is it yes. 21, 22, and 23. I feel like we've got fourth. a great starter. I hope for everyone that's watching and listening. Mm -hmm. um, but I know for us, like, <laughs> we're in. Joyous day. <laughs> Bring in, you know, I noticed you're wearing some brewer payoff today. And look, I have some brewer, uh, old school stuff. Look, listen, not that that guy's ever going out of style. Uh, so if there's our kind of, uh, this is your hint. America, yeah. Wisconsin. Hi. Here it is. Uh, the uh, the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers, the man who, um, listen, he came with counsel. I'm not over the counsel thing. Mm -mm. You know, the stages of grief. I'm like, I'm not in denial. Anger is like number two. And, and I'm over all the other ones, but I'm kind of still angry. But uh, we are super happy that Pat Murphy is here. And I have been fortunate enough that I, I got to know Pat a little bit uh, when I was in Arizona from when I was in Arizona, 96-ish to 99-ish. And Pat was there for almost 20 years, coached the Arizona Sun Devils, great program there. And uh, so I was there when he brought a team to the College World Series, went to Omaha for the first time in 1998. And uh, so it's kind of good to reconnect with him. And it's even, it's one of those things where you never know the station in life where you are and this person is and where you might find them again. Yeah, right here, I was weekend guy in Phoenix, Arizona, and he's you know the manager still fairly new. It was only his third or fourth year uh, at Arizona State, and now twenty five years later, I you know look, hey, I worked at ESPN, and now he's the manager of the Brewers. That's a hell of a thing. Jeez, and listen, the idea of this show is to get to know these people outside of just what they do, and we hope that you get to know the Pat Murphy that we got to know. Because if you do and you like them like we do, you, you will go. want to fast forward time too to this Brewer season as fast as we can get this baby going. He's part of our crew now. Yeah, yes, literally part of it's the crew. Our crew. All right, away we go. The first episode of 2024, Milwaukee Brewers manager Pat Murphy on the Inside Wisconsin Show. The Inside Wisconsin Show is brought to you by American Family Insurance, Aaron's Company, Blaine's Farm and Fleet, Capital Credit Union, Festival Foods, Quick Trip. Miller Lite, North Star Mohican Casino Resort, and the University of Wisconsin-Platteville. Hey, remember to subscribe on YouTube, leave a review, smash the like button, just get with us. We're Brewers fans above everything else on this show. That is the new Brewers manager, Pat Murphy, on the Inside Wisconsin Show. What's up, man? Thanks for being here. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. I just really, I need to know that you really have the job because it feel it appears to me you were offered the job by a 12-year-old. Like, is, is this for real? That was for real. <laughs> Arnold's kid, Tyler, who you'd have to know the backstory that I, that Tyler was in the locker room plenty towards the end of the season. And um, I was the one that my, my charge was to teach Tyler some of the language that you could use with only your baseball glove on. And um, so I, I did. And I taught him some of those words. And his father and mother were obviously mortified. And I said, but only Tyler when your baseball glove is on. So mm -hmm. um, that s 
sparked the the idea for Matt to uh, his father to say, have him call me in and offer the job. Okay, so it's legit, and hopefully the kid's not like wearing his glove at lunch in the schoolroom or anything like that. <laughs> so they there's been a couple stories. Tell the principal, look, I have immunity. I'm wearing my glove. I can do this. Um, so you're, but you are now back as, and I have known you, uh, I first met you back when I worked in Arizona, you were at Arizona state and you were, uh, the coach. Cause that's what you are, right? You're a coach when you're in, in college at, at Arizona state. Um, and then have kept track through the years. Tell me what excites you about this opportunity that is different than San Diego, where you were a big league manager, but you were brought in, uh, to replace a guy like, I feel like this is your own thing now. Uh, holy, right. but what is it about this that is unique and, and has you jazzed? Well, no question. It's because it's the Brewers, and I've been part of it for nine years. My eyes wide open. I was lucky enough to be um, standing there right behind Counts and seeing what, uh, what has been arguably the, the greatest uh, era in Brewer history. And, um, yeah, when, when I did the San Diego thing, I was really f- fresh out of the minor leagues. I never spent a day in the big leagues, really couple call-ups, but never, uh, and it was in the middle of the season, a team I didn't know, um, and I, I, I wasn't very good, and I wasn't ready. And here we are, nine years later, after you joined the Brewers, and uh, you're ready. At the age of 65. I better, be. I better be. Yeah, you're ready. I think you are. At the age of 65, though, and that's fascinating to me, I right, agree. because so many people outside of the sports business try to get to 65 and retire, and here you are, literally, <laughs> starting the best start. part of your yeah, the best is yet to come. Yeah. Thanks for bringing up the age, though. It seems like a common theme for you. Yeah, sorry. We'll get we'll get past it. So, all right, here you are now. Finally, the the gig is yours. What is it about Wisconsin, though? You, before we jumped on here, you mentioned Barry Alvarez, which meant you got bit by the Wisconsin bug <laughs> early, right? You guys have a great relationship. So, what is it about us that you just can't get enough of? Oh, the the truth is, for some reason, I I said this. Uh, uh, when I first got the job, like for some reason, you know, Rick Majerus was a great friend of mine and uh, Rick is Wisconsin through and through, uh, God rest his soul. But like we became friends and then he brought me to the 57 Milwaukee Braves championship reunion in 07. And um, that's the day I met Ricky Weeks too, which oddly enough is not mm-hmm. gonna be an integral part of our staff. and. Um, yeah, and then Counts was here, and uh, Counts and I kept our relationship going after he played at Notre Dame and was in the minor leagues, big leagues. We we just, for some reason, uh, stayed really close and uh, had that conversation going, baseball conversation going for, uh, it's been almost 40 years now. So, um, yeah, Wisconsin has always felt, and he's a Wisconsiner through and through, and it's just always felt like something about this place. Yeah. What? You and I agree. I, I I adored Coach Majerus when he worked for us. And so, so funny. Uh, and when he dropped a Sam Gilbert line about UCLA on poor Reese Davis was fantastic uh, when he came through. And I told Trevor one of the greatest things I've ever seen, and you can appreciate this, is we were done one time. It's like 2 in the morning. Everything in Bristol closes up at 8, right? This is a nothing town. It's a bedroom community. And somehow 2 in the morning – here come two pizzas delivered to Majerus that you're like, how did this happen? Like, where did this come from? How did this happen? Nobody can get, uh, you can't get through a drive-through and somehow here are two pizzas that Majerus has delivered for the group. He's unbelievable. Um, 
why why are why are you ready now this time around? Why is it different? You talked a little bit. You touched on some of that in San Diego, knowing the players, but just you in terms of knowing the game, knowing the big leagues. How are you better prepared now? Yeah, I think it's important to know the big leagues. It's it's a different. It's not exactly thoroughbreds versus harness, but um, it's it's different, you know. And you have to be around it a while and kind of sense how it works from every angle. And sense how the front office works. You know, I've gotten that opportunity, and it's it's been it's been wonderful that I that I have. And I didn't try to get the job. I wasn't pushing for the job. I wasn't. I didn't go into the interview with like pages and pages of notes and things like that. I I just went there and gave them what I got. You know, from the heart. It feels right. It feels authentic. And um, I didn't push for it. And so, what changes? as you move essentially like one, one seat over from, from bench coach to manager. I wouldn't say it's a seat over. I, I would say it's definitely a step up and good. And then maybe a little slide um, changes. I mean, the brewers, you have to, you're a small market team. Your, your, your roster is going to turn over every year. There's going to be tons of new players. Um, and you could just look at what's happened over the last eight years. I mean, it's a new mm-hmm. roster of the year. So you're going to have tons of changes and you have to solidify what makes you authentic. You know, like you have to be who you are. We have less to offer uh, financially sometimes, but we have more to offer in way other areas. That's how you sign a Wade Miley. That's how you, that's how you get uh, guys to understand how special this place is and want to play here. Um, so you have to do it a little differently. So they're, you always have to be ready to adjust. Wholesale changes. I mean, yeah, there's going to be things that um, that I would do different than Craig, but not necessarily better, but just more that fit what I think um, this particular 2024 team needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the consistency that the Brewers have had on the field has come in all different ways. You know, one year we hit homers, next year we don't. One year we run the bases, next year we don't. One year we pitch. Next year it's who's going to pitch. Um, so you just kind of keep stirring the soup and keep adding ingredients. And um, some of the ingredients you don't really know their names; they're not recognizable. But guess what? Um, we end up with a good situation. And the league this year is kind of at its crescendo. I mean, like all the teams are at a point um, where they're ready to win. You said something interesting there that they want to have to want to play in Milwaukee, right? They want to be a brewer. How do you get that across to the guys on what it means to be a brewer, small market team, yet you really got to want to, you got to want to be here. You know, uh, our players sell it pretty good. And our former players sell it really good. If you talk to Moustakas or you go out and talk to Vogelbach or you go out and talk to Chassin or or Corey Knabel or any of the guys that have been here, I think you're going to get a pretty favorable response about what it's like being in Milwaukee, how they're taken care of off the field, how their wives and children are taken care of, you know, um, how the fans treat them. I mean, there's just so many great things about it. And our stadium is incredible. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool place. Man. By the way, I think who's going to pitch is the eternal question for anybody who's ever coached a baseball team ever, no matter what uh, guys at the little league world series, right? Cause their kid threw right. five innings. What do I, what do I do to get back so that in three days he can throw again? Uh, no 
No, I feel no. like if you solve that, you can manage anywhere, anytime. Uh, you you managed more than a thousand games in college, listen, and, and you won seventy five percent of those. Um, what what can transfer from there? Because that's game experience, right? That those are situations that are going to come up. You just have different pieces. Yeah. But, but what it's, translates in in terms of that experience? Well, I, I know a lot of things not to do <laughs> that I did back then. Um, you know, everything helps. Everything you do helps. You know, uh, before the show, we were talking about my football coaching days. Those days helped. Uh, it established certain things and certain habits that stick with you. Um, yeah, I mean, college baseball is much, much different. Managing a college baseball game is uh, exponentially different. Um, but but there is value, you know, um, keeping your composure, the leadership, the, the, uh, the players are watching, you know, that's something I never considered before. Like, really, they're watching me, you know, like, yeah, they are. So mm -hmm. exude what you want to come across, regardless of what your guts may feel. What is exponentially different? Like, cause to the late guy goes, okay, there's nine innings. There's there, you got to get 27 yeah. outs, you know, so it, um, well, you're sure, everybody. Everybody on the on the major league baseball roster is a major league baseball player, right? Mm -hmm. And you, you might have some prospects yeah. in the other one. What, but you know what? What changes? Well, think about it. Like, start at the most fundamental point. The Bat Boys. Have you seen the Bat Boys in the big leagues? It's <laughs> incredible. These guys are on it. You've seen the Bat Boys in college. You know what I mean? <laughs> I used to let my kid do it, and then I realized after one inning he didn't want to do it, so he'd hire his friends to do it. And you have to kick them to get them out there to to uh, pick up the bat and be ready for the ball exchange. Anyway, uh, now everything in the big leagues is, is is so much faster, and your decisions are based on a lot of things. But it's it's win tonight, but it's also you know don't expose yourself because you play 19 in a row and uh, you only have so many pitchers, and um, there, there's just so much that's different. Mm -hmm. You know, the ability to handle the bat is way different because in college you're facing a, a lot different arsenal than you are um, in the big leagues. Mm -hmm. um, so your decisions to run and to give up, take chances on outs, um, yeah, it's just, it's just way different. How does it do you how do you have to adjust yourself to losing? Because in a good program in baseball, you win 75 percent of the time. And if you can win 60 percent in the big leagues, you can go to the Hall of Fame. So how do, how do you deal with that? Because that, that becomes a different sort of equation to bring it home every night. List. That's on my list of things to get good at, you know what I mean? Because I'm not good at it, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be too good at it, but sure, you know, I'm good at it. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm not good at it. And that's a concern because I get emotional and I, I get – and that might change the way I do things. Now, having young children, that will keep you in check. Because then you go home and you're like, wow, you know, if any mm -hmm. morsel of this trickles on that, then I'm, I'm a piece of, you know what? Mm -hmm. So I feel like that keeps me in check, but it is on my list of things I've got to do. Um, I got to make sure of and make sure I understand um, and even seek help about it, you know, really to be honest. Okay. You talk a lot about love and discipline. Is that kind of where that comes in? And what does that mean to you? Yeah, that's my man, uh, Harvey Dorfman, again. You know, I got kids. You know, I'm raising my kid by myself. I'm at ASU. I'm the head coach. 
Um, my daughter is living with me, but she's um, freshman in college. Uh, so she's helping and I'm raising this kid and I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And he said, Murph, it's love and discipline in that order. When they get to become teenagers, <laughs> it kind of gets pretty close. But then uh, until then, it's love and discipline. And make sure they know it. And, and love from them is spelled T-I-M-E. And that was his parenting advice. And I've never forgotten. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to a ball club, they got to know you love them. And um, they have to understand that discipline is a responsibility. You know what I mean? It's like something that's got to become part of your life. And, uh, especially in the movie. So if you're back in, if you're in uh, South Bend or if you're in Tempe, like you're in charge of going to get players, right? So you can create the team you want. Here you are, for the most part, given a team. Uh, how does how does that change? Because, you know, like, are, are, do we enjoy the fact you don't have to go chase 18-year-old kids to come play for you anymore? And you can just deal yeah. with what you have. But it's a completely different aspect as well. Yeah, I think it, it's gotten pretty hairy, I guess. When, from talking to my buddies in college, they they, uh, they say it's gotten pretty remarkable how, how recruiting is these days. I used to – I love recruiting. I loved it. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it was a, it was a great uh, – the art of juggling, you know what I mean? It just – trying to trying to keep as many possibilities alive and know what you need and how can you really tell and who is this kid who's he going to become but now no you don't have to do that i i, I do get involved you know i, mm -hmm. I do uh that we have an open uh ended communication with the front office about guys who are interested in acquiring and you know thoughts about that so i appreciate they include me but um yeah, they do an amazing job. Of, look what they've done. I mean, they've brought in mm -hmm. enough um, to give us an opportunity to win. So, yeah, winning's fun. Winning's fun. So, <laughs> but how we win is new today as well. You talked about how the, the game has changed. What's the difference between follow your gut, old school, and let's use the technology and the analytics that we have today? I know you've been asked that a thousand times, but spare us. Yeah, you? yeah. The the analytics is information, and um, it's. It's mostly um, pregame and during that week before that series, we will have all that data in and we'll take into account matchups and that'll help us make decisions. Because with my naked eye standing from the dugout, we don't have a great view. We really don't. Um, and uh, you got to watch the game after a video and then you have to understand that this data is kind of like double checking your eyes. So a lot of time you can see what you see and you feel what you feel. You know, hey, this player's been under it for a while. He's he's been he's been pressing a little bit, and you kind of know where he's at. That can alter your decision. Um, and then there's times when you're like, hey, you know what? This guy needs our support right here. I'm leaving him in. He needs us to trust him. I'm mm -hmm. leaving him in. Those are the gut type things, but the the data really gives you. Um, and then you can see the variance between this is what I'm feeling and this is what the data says. Wow, there's a huge discrepancy. You're like, wow, you know, I, mean, I better be feeling it pretty strong because the data is telling me, the information is telling me that this is a better matchup or this is the time to get them out or whatever it might be. What does your data tell you about bunting? Yeah, the data usually says that 
giving up an out, if you're going to sacrifice blood, giving up an out isn't always as valuable. Um, there's times in the game when it is, um, but um, I love the, I love to have that in your bag. You know, if, if a player has that in his bag, it changes where people position. It can change where the third baseman can change where the second baseman can change the first baseman's position. And it can add to the trepidation of the pitch. And if, if in fact, I think it is a weapon, um, I, I think it's, you know, obviously it's likely used. And I think that's appropriate. But I think when it's used, like if you know that you, if you're following Yelich, he's going to lay down a critical bunt every year. And if you go back the last five years, Yelich has laid down a critical bunt in all those five years uh, that led to a win. It, it's, it's amazing. No one thinks of that. But if you think of him, if you go back and do the research, he's laid down a critical bunt in uh, five years in a row. It's funny you say that uh, you're willing to give up an out when you bunt. That's what I remember from when I played baseball when I was younger. If I was to bunt, I'm 6'8", by the way, 280 on a good day right now, but I wasn't then. But if I was going to bunt, they knew damn well I wasn't liking it out. So, I mean, like, there, there is a lot to say about giving up an out when you bunt. That I can attest to. And, All right. And yeah. Try to bunt 100. Try to bunt 100 and see how easy that is. 86, you can bunt. 100, <laughs> it's a little tough to control the – What's coming off the bat? Yeah, I think I, I think I struggled to bunt 46. All right, let's take a break. That was the league. Back with more from the Brewers manager, Pat Murphy, in just a bit. The Inside Wisconsin Show. The Inside Wisconsin Show is brought to you by American Family Insurance, Aaron's Company, Blaine's Farm and Fleet, Capital Credit Union, Festival Foods, Quick Trip, Miller Lite, North Star Mohican Casino Resort, and the University of Wisconsin-Platteville. Hey, remember to subscribe on YouTube, leave a review, smash the like button, just get with us. J.A., when uh, way back in season one, we had a couple weather guys on the show. Yes. Luke Stampy, Mark Baden, I know you were quite upset. We'll redo that. That was a good episode. I want you to join. We'll pick one out of the, the woodwork. However, I'm going to start a fight with them, though, so maybe we I don't want that. Roll up the sleeves. Well, <laughs> listen, if you didn't deck uh, Lance Leipold in the face, I think you can handle it with a uh, weather guy. Anyway, all right, so we're on the Twitter here over yes. the uh, holidays, and I noticed that my guy Luke Sampy says, P.S., the uh, outdoor fridge that we're all used to, like the sausage and the cheese, put yep. it outside. or sure. yeah, It didn't work here over the uh, over the holidays. It was like 53 degrees for Christmas. It just You couldn't mm -hmm. even put the middle of the light outside to keep it cold. There was no snow to insulate it with. I understand that we're probably in winter now, right? It's definitely colder, but I don't know what you chalk it up to, but long story short, we couldn't put Miller Lite outside, which sucked. 53-degree Miller Lite is not optimal. No, no. No. 53 no, degrees, really, when you think about it, nothing is good tasting at 53 degrees. Hmm. Definitely not beer. Definitely not Miller Lite. I mean, no. I'm sure it tastes great still, but it's different. I cracked open that beer that, it, by the way, empty. I need to replenish that. Yeah, you got to go ahead. I have you a spare. And you should, by the way, you can get it delivered. Okay, you can find it anywhere you find uh, alcohol, or you can get it delivered. So there's no excuse for that empty space. I have to replace it with a 24 ounce, unless I can find a 40 a Miller Lite someplace. I would love to do that. But anyway, <laughs> just be careful. It's winter. Like there's this weird time where it's obviously not cold enough, like it was over our holidays here in Wisconsin. But then there's too cold too. Like and if you don't got the snow, things go like your like the trunk yeah. of your car when you yeah. were a bit younger. Things yeah. get weird. My point is, it's winter. Snuggle up with your friends. Grab some Miller Lite. Things just get better, whether you have it in the snowbank or 
almost freezing. It turns into slush, whatever it is. Miller Lite tastes great. 96 calories. Go to MillerLite.com slash Inside Wisconsin to find delivery options near you, or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. Tastes like Miller time. Mm, Celebrate beer. responsibly. Yeah, always. I love that. Homer. Hmm. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Miller Lite, great taste, 96 calories. That's 12 ounces. Homer. Listen, around around the holidays, a few less calories is never going to shave where you can. I'm going to eat this extra piece of pie because I'm having, look at all the calories I'm saving. So, you know, like it's perfect. It's it's yeah. awesome. It's it's not only is it taste great, it's an awesome excuse to eat other stuff. Yeah. Problem solved. Fewer calories in the beer of Miller Lite, more calories for the chocolate dipped Ritz crackers with peanut butter in between them. Mm-hmm. Big fan. Big fan. <laughs> Time for the first top five list of the new year, as always, presented by our friends at UW-Platteville. The University of Wisconsin-Platteville's exciting STEM programs make it a top university in Wisconsin and the Midwest region. In fact, UW-Platteville is ranked in the top 20 for regional universities in the Midwest. Find out more at uwplat.edu. Not slash engineering, just go there and learn more about UW-Platteville. Top 20, that's impressive stuff, man. I'm telling you, you don't. Mm-hmm. All right, J.A., yeah. in honor of our guest today, you have put together a top five list that I'm going to do my best to limp along with. <laughs> the floor is yours. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get into this more with Pat eventually at some point, but he's a killer Springsteen fan. Yeah. Right? He loves Bruce Springsteen. And uh, we've told the story, I think, before, where I had a bootleg album from a concert uh, one time, and he's like, you got to be kidding. i got to hear that thing. And so I lent him the album, and then... Uh, he stayed. I left to get a different job. And, you know, eventually, like, I think it's gone. And somehow it evolves back and an old SID. Uh, well, he's still an SID, but when I was there, uh, Doug Camero, and eventually gets back into my hands. Tough. He's a Springsteen guy. I, too, love Bruce Springsteen, even more than Garth Brooks, who should, you know, I mean, it's okay. play at Lambeau Field as Springsteen. So we're just in honor of Pat. Here we go. We're going to give you the, I'm going to give you my top five favorite Bruce Springsteen songs. Very I'm going to admit if I've heard them or not. It's a list that almost everybody who is, uh, uh, has seen the future of rock and roll and its name is Bruce Springsteen probably has. There's probably um, one common one in all of them, depending on where it ranks is one thing. Uh, But, you know, listen, Rolling Stone ranked the top hundred. So that's, it's a, it's a wide playing field it's a deep pool that we're trying to go through okay so here we go okay uh number number five is thunder road which thunder is off born born uh, a born to run album thunder road okay. great a great um a great first line um when i go and go to classes and teach kids about leads and grabbing people screen door slams mary's dress wave like a vision, she dances across the porch as the radio plays. Roy Orbison singing for the lonely. It's an amazing thing. Brings yeah. you. Okay. Okay. Bad uh, news. Oh. I just played it back here behind the scenes. I don't know that one. So Under one. Okay. All right. Sorry. Uh, uh, number four, which is just one of the ultimate great rock and roll party songs, and uh, Rosalita. Rosalita come out tonight from his very first album. I believe that's on uh, Greetings from Asbury Park. And um, now the first, I think the first song on that is Blinded by the Light. But Rosalita, um, jump a little lighter. Rosalita, my company, uh, the record company gave me a big advance. The other thing is I used to listen to that. My roommates uh, and I in 
college, we'd listen to that song and see how many free throws we could shoot during that song. Little Nerf hoop was up, right? It's really go go. It's probably a five or six minute long song. Uh, so that was part of it. Uh, number Are these three, all deep cuts, or should I know these? No, you should know these. Rosalita, you should totally know. This okay. one's a deeper cut because this is a cover. He did a cover of um, uh, Bob Dylan's Chimes of Freedom, which is just an amazing song to begin with. And his interpretation of it uh, is um, amazing. It's I think that's on like a EP record that he did that. I don't know that it's on any specific album, but uh, you should hear Chimes of Freedom or listen to the original Bob Dylan. Still fantastic. Okay. Uh, number three. Two, nope, that was three. This is two, yeah. Number two would be one that's probably specific to me. Uh, it is probably one that is not hugely popular. Uh, I'm trying to think what album it's on. Anyway, Better Days. It's called Better Days. These are Better Days. It's a poor man, uh, my friend who's living in his own skin and can't stand the company. Um, I'm halfway to heaven, uh, but only a mile out of hell. But I feel like I'm coming home. It's a great song, and I used it one time. Uh, illegally, because when you're in local news, you don't ever fill out the <laughs> ASCAP music reports uh, for a, uh, a deal when John Daly actually won the British Open, which sounds really odd, but it worked. Better days. These are better days. That's number two. And number one is obviously just the greatest rock and roll song ever. Uh, when Bruce went to record it, he said, "All I the only goal I had was to make the best rock and roll song ever. And he did with Born to Run. Okay. And it, so that one you should know. If you don't know Born to yeah. Run. Oh, yeah, I know one, that one. Good, because I was going to say, because then that will be our first show of the year and our last show ever. There's because, been a couple things that have made you want to not do this with me anymore. This that was That's the this, one, huh? This, this would be the ultimate so far of all the deal breaker deal breakers. This would have been the ultimate deal breaker. If you don't know Born to Run, okay? I do. If, if, listen, if tramps like us, if you don't know that, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm playing it here because I don't want it to go over there. Because if it goes over yeah. there on the mic, then we're going right. to get muted. But yes, I 100 yeah. know this song. 100, 100, 100%, 100%, 100%. So there you All go. Thunder right. Road, Rosalita, so the, Chimes of Freedom, Better Days, Born to Run. Don't you my think Santa five. Claus is coming to town? Was pretty Your good. Five maybe do vary. Oh, my five would be the top five songs he's ever made because that's probably the only ones I know. And I do know You're Born to Run. You're probably a Dancing in the Dark, Born in the USA, yeah. Hungry Heart kind of guy. Hungry all Heart, great song off the river. The Glory river days. itself. Glory Days. Yep, that's, again, that's... also off of uh, Born in the USA. But to your point, there's a top 100. And, like, the only other person that I know that has a top 100, Garth Brooks. Maybe Beatles, Beatles Rolling Stones. Sure, yeah. Different eras, um, man. I get it. I get it, and I'm glad you two have this bond over this album because it probably had a lot to do with why he's able to join us on the show today. Good for you. All right, the top five, J.A.'s top five, not the top five. J.A.'s top five, Bruce Springsteen. Feel free to make it yours, too. You could do worse, all I'm saying. Yeah. Leave your top five below. I mean, tell us what your top five that are would be compared great. to J.A.'s. Because uh, I it think will be... everybody will have Born to Run, and then there'll be everybody oh, the other four will be different. I'm not sure that this is going to cause more drama than you never having a cannibal sandwich or tiger meat for Christmas, but yeah, by all means. sending me pictures of that. It's gross. <laughs> it's gross. It's awful. Sorry. Like, oh, oh, here's a pound of ground chuck we put some onions against. What, what is that? Like, make it happen. One, a one-word response. Gross. That was it. Yeah, it's gross. We're back the Inside Wisconsin show. Trevor John and the 20th 
manager in the Brewers history. That's Pat Murphy. Uh, Murph, we talk a lot on the show about the people, the stories, and what we call the statriotism of Wisconsin, the zealous patriotism that we have for our home state. Have you felt that from Brewers fans in your eight years here? Like, it's just different for us, yeah? I have felt it. I mean, um, they just seem like they're level-headed, for one. Um, they, uh, they're consistent. Um, and they're straight shooters, you know what I mean? Like, they just – it is what it is, man. And they, they're, they're, they're not uh, – they're not uh, running off at the mouth. They're just being being who they are. Very authentic people, it seems like, in general. I know I'm generalizing, but um, it just it's become a great place for me. I just I just love it. So I got this uh, news uh, on an alert from my phone. How did you hear that Craig Council was leaving the Brewer organization for the Cubs? How did I learn of it? Yeah. Um, he told me. You know the day that the day that he uh, accepted the position, and your reaction was what? I was happy for him. You know, like um, when I, I mean, I knew about it. Obviously, I knew the day. I think uh, it was the thirty-first of September or whatever, October first, whatever. And, you know, we have been talking pretty much every day, and you know, he he. Um, you know, told me that day they contacted him and I smiled and uh, just said that, hey, man, this is this is it. And you're a first round pick. A lot of people are interested. You know, it wasn't the only team that was very, very interested. Obviously, all the openings were interested, and even some that weren't open. And um, I started thinking like, oh, boy, you know, David Ross is a great guy and done great mm -hmm. things. And I'm like, wow, that's going to be it's going to be hairy. You know, so I was happy for him, though. Really was. He he wanted those opportunities. I believed he was going to come back to the Brewers. I really did. So, like, I think people knew there were opportunities and that maybe even his time was up here after that shelf right there. But did you say to him, dude, this is the Cubs. Did you did you say to someone, like, somebody's going to be pissed, even if they're in Connecticut? And I know you got to no, do what no, you no, do, but no, you, you know, there's, there's, there's going to be pushback. Like, no, you're going to you're going to hear about this. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And um, he he understood what he was doing. He understood the, the consequences and he understood that, um, you know, this was this was a decision he was going to make that he had to be able to say. Like I said to him, I said, when I left Notre Dame Council, a microcosm of how big this is compared to that. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I left Notre Dame, I said, I had a lot of days driving down the road in, in Phoenix saying, what did I do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Please, you know, I went from somebody who people respected and thought I was decent. Believe me, now that I look back, I wasn't, but they thought I was a good coach. And, and like all of a sudden, uh, I come to a place and these guys are like, who's this guy? We don't care. It doesn't seem great to me. You know, like it was, it was difficult. Um, and the reception was difficult. And I, you know, I went through a period of not understanding, like, what did I just do? But Craig's really, really sharp. And um, he understood what he was getting into. It's still tough, you know, mm -hmm. it's still tough. And I'm sure this hasn't been an easy transition for him because he loves Wisconsin. He loves it, loves the kids from there, knows everything about all high school sports, follows everything. He's as true blue as there is. And um, 
So it did shock me in the end that he did leave. Um, mm -hmm. But it got to a point where, you know, he had a, a lot of things, a lot of things that he felt like he needed to do. And, um, you know, he saw this as a great opportunity and, you know, that's what he did. Yeah, you said that perfectly. And you talked a little bit earlier about the level-headedness of Wisconsin and their fans. You, you <laughs> probably saw the opposite of that when that went down. Not so level-headed. Yeah. yeah. Believe me, I was I was in the middle of it because, uh, you know, obviously I was I was not under contract with anyone. And that was, you know, a possibility for me. And, and uh, you know, that's something that uh, you had to sit with. And I was in Phoenix, Arizona at the time, so... You didn't feel it as much. Um, yeah. So I was feeling for him right now. I wasn't worried about myself. I was just feeling for him because I knew that first day shock and all that stuff. And thinking about his family. I mean, he's, he's got a, a beautiful family. You know, I've known Michelle since she was 18 and known uh, uh, Brady since he was born and Jack since he was born. And, uh, yeah, it's been the two girls are, you know, uh, they're as uh, special as you can have, man. He's got a, he's got a great family. But it's the Cubs. Yeah. You knew that, right? It's the Cubs. Like you yeah, can't go to the Cubs. <laughs> like, like the Cubs are awful, and you have to adopt that now. Like I don't know what you think about him, but I'm going to need you 19 that. times or whatever it is on the schedule to go. I, I'm going to have to bury that guy. You don't you don't have to worry about that. I promise. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. I think that was my favorite part of. Uh, I, I saw in an interview someday that you were talking about your relationship with Craig and how that's not going to change. But when it comes to when you meet them this season, quote, I'm going to try to beat their ass. We really appreciate that. Thank you. I'm not going to be the one doing it, but I'm going to be standing there watching it. I like it. Uh, to, to go on that now, and we talk about the level-headedness of Wisconsin, and we love that Craig loves Wisconsin. We all know that. It just stung. But now you go to players that are on the Brewers that are from Wisconsin, both in the past, and today, I would imagine that you feel that, too. We talked to Owen Miller, who said out loud on the show, he looked down the dugout when y'all were playing the Cardinals, and he's like, do you guys not hate these guys as much as I do? I hate these guys. <laughs> and there's just something about that when you grow up here, like Cardinals, uh, Bears, Cubs, Vikings. Right. It just comes along with a little hate. No no doubt. My kids are uh, – my son Austin is nine, and um, my my son Jackson is four, and um, – I would say to them in the car during that time, do you want daddy to stay with the Brewers or go to the Cubs? And they'd shout out, Brewers! Dad, you would never go to the Cubs. We hate the Cubs. You know? So, um, yeah, I get it. I get it. But Owen is a, Owen is a, uh, a great example of, of a person that just – he loves Wisconsin. You know what I mean? It's his home, and he takes so much pride. And I used to give him a hard time when, whenever one of the other Wisconsinites in the big leagues were in town, you could see a home plate meeting. Owen and Gavin Lux, or whoever it was, were like, "Okay, here we go," you know, <laughs> telling stories. And then Counts would join them, and I'd be like, "Oh God, here we go." Mm -hmm. but, you keep saying, Pat, like when you left Notre Dame and that I was respected, but they didn't know and I wasn't any good. And ASU, you kind of downplay all the success. And and obviously, you, you don't win that many games. You don't end up an integral part of the Padres organization. You end up 
integral part of the of the Brewers organization without knowing a hell of a lot of baseball. But how are you different from the guy I, I met the first time with a really good team when you were 40 and, and 25 years down the road now? Yeah, man, I'm way different. You know, I think um, the game teaches you a lot. And if you surround yourself with great people, and I've been lucky enough to have so many great people around that it teaches you. I, I look at it like we're all under construction, right? We're all just constantly changing and doing things. And if you're willing and you want to be good, if you true, true want to be good and you want to impact people and uh, you want to, and your priorities are right and your ego, you, you realize this is something that's really dangerous. And I think that, I, th I think that over the years, um, I've had enough great opportunities and been lucky enough to get those opportunities um, that you, you're forced to change or get out. You can't survive unless you keep changing and keep adjusting. I've had injustice happen to me and then you know, feel sorry for yourself for a while. And then you're like, how could this happen? This is bull crap. You know, and they, they did this to me or that. And then you just kind of invert it and realize what great, what great things became of it. You know, why it forced you to change and why you, you know, again, uh, but the construction team is on site, you know, like it's, it's constant. Mm -hmm. I heard you mention as you were being onboarded as the new manager that getting to know Bob Euchre changed your life. And literally everybody from the Brewers organization <laughs> has said that. Brian Anderson, okay. Sophia Minard, literally everybody would talk to, even Owen Miller. What is it about Euchre eight years ago when you first got, well, I guess you met him a while ago before that, but tell us yeah, about your relationship with Bob. Yeah, I also met him at that 57 uh, uh, reunion back in 07 with Majerus and um He's just authentic, you know, like it's what you see is what you get. It's Uke. And, um, but to see him now day in and day out, I'm telling you guys, it's an incredible story. Day in and day out, he's in the clubhouse. He knows every player's name. I don't know every player's name. He knows every player's first and last name, and he knows something about him. He knows it, – it's just amazing, his recall. It's amazing how interested he is. And I have to remind the guys, I'm like – do you know what this dude's been through? You know what he's done? You know, when you, you when you think of the challenges he's had in life and then you think about what he accomplished and how he remains humble and just himself and willing to help somebody else on a daily. It's it's incredible. The man, he's truly an icon. Do you go, guys, if you can just manage to hit 200 on the nose in the big leagues, this is what can happen to you. This is what you need. If you can just hit that yet. I haven't you used can that just yet. hit 200 on the nose right here. Not 199, not 201. You get 200, you're on your way. Uh as players go, unless you live in Biloxi a lot, yeah, probably haven't seen Jackson Churio, but like I'm excited that you're the manager, but I'm more excited that he might be in your outfield. What do I need to know about this cat? Well, he's uh he's special obviously. You know, John, when the um, when the old time scouts say he's real, and then the data and the younger scouts say he's real, that's a pretty good mix. So, um, but he's 19, and who we kidding? Um, he's under construction too, right? So there'll be some growing pains. Mm -hmm. His bank account is under how construction. Do you go, how do you go at the care of feeding of that? Because he is 19 and he's his talent. So. Yeah. You know, like we've seen guys like that and and old and new scouts, and you've seen them get eaten up. How do you make sure whether it's you, whether it's the surrounding guys like a Yelich or people? How do we make sure that this guy is, is nurtured and yeah. not swallowed? 
Yeah, it's, it's all that. It's being aware and understanding the responsibility of a 19-year-old with those expectations. Um, be aware of that, understand it, use your experience of knowing how tough that transition is, even if it seemingly looks easy, because some guys start fast, then, you know, be aware because it isn't easy. And 19, year 19 will be difficult, year 20 will be difficult, 21, and there's going to be a maturation process. And you have to have things in place to be ready for that. At any point, you feel like, oh, but this kid's my wheelhouse because I spent a lot of years around 18, 19, and 20 year old kids. Yeah, competition's going to be a little stiffer than what those yeah. kids face. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you, but, but you've been through the distractions of what, what you know, what, right. what alarms a 19 year old kid as opposed to a 29 year old kid or somebody yeah. who's 27 and comes up. Yeah, a 19 year old kid with a pocket full of money, um, you know, not from this country. And uh, yeah. You want to talk about, you know, potholes to avoid. There's there's plenty. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's from a really good family. You know, you listen to his mom speak, um, listening to his dad and knowing that there's some real awareness there. Um, I think they've done a really good job. I think he's a really good kid. Murph, where's home? Yeah, where do you call home when you're – obviously, you're in Phoenix right now, right? But where do you call home when you're here in Wisconsin? Um, this year – I'm moving way south, 22 miles south, down the 94. Not Racine, but pretty close. Stop. Why can't we get Brewers managers not to go south, John? What the hell is going on? No more oh. south. Like he's stopping short of Great America and okay, Bernie, okay. so it's okay when it when it comes through that. <laughs> um, you you touched on him. What's what does Ricky Weeks add to the staff? Bringing him back and his experiences like that's a Brewers Brewer right there. That cat. Yeah. Besides that, he's a Brewers Brewer. Whenever any of you been around Ricky, if you walk in the room, and then you just just watch him a little bit, you'll see the impact. You'll see the presence. You'll see it. it feel that energy off of him. Again, authentic as hell, and just what you see is what you get. And uh, cares a great deal about baseball. Cares a great deal about baseball players. Uh, he's going to be a, a huge impact. And he's worried. He has no experience and doesn't know how it all works. Trust me, he's <laughs> going to be a huge impact. Huge. You thank the Antanasio family in your presser that you were welcomed in on. Have you had the chance to sit down at all with Bud Selig and learn about what the Brewers were all about before the Antanasio family? I've been I've been lucky I've been lucky to be around Bud. As a matter of fact, we have we've traded phone calls recently, and we're gonna he's in Phoenix now, so we're gonna sit down before the the winter warm up or whatever it's called, um, and get to know each other even better. But I've been I've been lucky. I've been here eight years, so I've seen Bud every year, um, and talked to him and got to know him and know the history and and just love it, you know. And uh, again, it was Majerus got me started and. Uh, Alvarez tries to get me to come to Badger games and tells me how great it is. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, Bud Seeley's, you know, he's, he is, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers. So it's, uh, it's essential that we get to know each other better. And Mark and his family are, they've been great to me. And in this whole process, it's been like, Hey Mark, look, you know, I don't have to do this. I want to do it. And, um, yeah, here's here's what I got to tell you about that we got something special. Um, 
So I think they understood where I was coming from. And, and again, it, it starts with Bud and, and Bud understands, you know, what the Milwaukee Brewers are all about. And he understands Mark and uh, it'll be good to get to know him. Bud changed the game. Expanded wild cards, expanded playoffs. The game's changed now, and I sit back and I watch, and I think to myself, do I like the pitch clock? Do I like the shift, the notch? Do you have time for that? Because you know, those are the rules. So I guess you can have an opinion on them, but you have to play with them. So, right? Like I can, I guess I feel like I can get fed up with them or hate them or love them, and you don't really have a choice one way or another because you just yeah, have to abide by them. Check, check this out. So every year, come spring, like right as we get to spring training, we get this freaking memo from MLB saying, here are the rule changes. And we're like, none of us are like totally shocked. They've been talked about a little bit, but we hurry up and memorize the memo and get all the changes. And, and you know what? What you come to know after this, this will be year, I think this is my 10th year in the big leagues, maybe. Uh, yeah, this will be my 10th season or parts of 10 seasons. And then um, you realize that they know what they're doing. Like they don't just make changes that are not thought out. I mean, th this is well thought out. And if you looked at anybody, you can't find anybody that didn't like the pitch clock. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It forced people to adjust. What's wrong with that? You know, the, the outcome was, you know, two hour and 45 minute games. And that was better than where we were, where we were trending. Um, and you just think of all the changes they've made and, and you're like, now I miss, I miss the pitcher hitting. I miss the strategy of the games with the mm -hmm. double switch and using the bench, the National League game. I miss it. But is this better? It's better for the game, yeah. John and I talk about our favorite Brewer moments, Murph. You were there, 2018, Brandon Woodruff, game one, NLCS, hit a dinger off of Kershaw. By far my favorite sports <laughs> moment ever. Well, I just talked about it yesterday because I talked to Woody, um, and uh, – I was telling him, I'm like, Woody, do you know what you've done for this organization? Like, yeah, we haven't been to the World Series. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't uh, won at that level, but we've been. It's the greatest era in Brewer history. And Woody, you're you're a huge part of it. Since 18, every single year, even last year, he didn't get a lot of innings in. He impacted our team greatly. All you got to do is ask anyone in that clubhouse. Huge impact on that team, and um, he's a special guy. I, I called him the Clayton Kershaw of the Milwaukee Brewers. And um, he laughed and he said, and I said, but he, you know, he hadn't hit a dinger off of you. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Never forget it. Sure. All right. We're back to wrap it up in just a minute. Pat Murphy, Milwaukee Brewers, the Inside Wisconsin Show. The Inside Wisconsin Show is brought to you by American Family Insurance, Aaron's Company, Lane's Farm and Fleet, Capital Credit Union, Festival Foods, Quick Trip, Miller Lite, North Star Mohican Casino Resort, and the University of Wisconsin-Platteville. Hey, remember to subscribe on YouTube, leave a review, smash the like button, just get with us. So I can't speak for the East Coast, but I can speak for Wisconsin. Yeah. Gas prices have dipped a little. It was like 246 yeah. at the pump the other day, but we save with Festival Feuds Gas Rewards, and, and they team up with our friends at Quick Trip, and for every dollar you spend, I think it's every $100, you get 10 cents off a gallon at Festival Foods. So, all right, mm -hmm. all right. We were uh, we were at festival. We were buying uh, some uh, spirits for the holiday season. Okay, a little bit of Miller Lite, a little bit of bourbon. Holiday spirit. Okay, perfect. Yeah, holiday spirits. For Can the you not say season. liquor, or we're just going with spirits because it oh, sounds better, or what? We're just flexing our thesaurus. 
mm-hmm. of words that we can use to describe okay libation you know me that's yeah. you know me in the words flexing my <laughs> thesaurus way up there on my list yep you rap so the gallon the guy in front of our uh, us in, at line at the Deep Pier Festival Foods, yes, uh, had a bill of like three hundred some bucks, and mm-hmm. the fellow behind the counter, the cashier they're called, goes, "Hey man, you could be saving like thirty cents a gallon if mm-hmm. you sign up for this cash rewards." And he's like, "No, nah, I'm good." To which I'm like, fumbling, going, "Use mine. We can do this." Apparently, that's not allowed, but we tried. So, <laughs> did you really try um, to use the? Oh yeah. Why wouldn't I? I mean, listen, if he's not going to get the rewards, why wouldn't I try? Festival Foods frowns upon that. I've learned. Oh, I did thanks. ask him. Didn't work. <laughs> oh, that's the holiday spirit, though. Yeah. You know? Well, hey, give and and give, right? right so right. he was willing received. to give us his points. He wasn't. He didn't want to take them for himself. I yep. was willing to receive that gift, and unfortunately, that's not allowed. However, these you things go in, are non-transferable, is what you're yes. saying. I missed Very that good. on here. Program subject to terms. Yeah, I got it. Okay, but however, we have our own savings here, so that's that's the point. Very good. Go yep. to Festival Foods, get the gas rewards. You will save at the pump with our friends at Quit Trip and have uh, killer spirits for your after the holiday get-togethers. Just try and open the spirits after you've gotten the gas and gotten home. We're back to wrap it up with Pat Murphy of the Milwaukee Brewers, the Inside Wisconsin Show. All right, a few for me. You let the cat out of the bag before we came on the air, Murph. You've never been to Lambeau Field. How do we get that to change? We got to give you a bubble. Like, what do you need? A suite? We can make it happen. <laughs> I don't need a suite. Um, um, just let me know. I would love to. I love football. I love the Packers. Um, I can go way back. Bart Starr, Zeke Bradkowski, twelve. Bart mm-hmm. Starr, fifteen. Elijah Pitts, twenty-two. Horning, 5, Taylor, 31, Wilbur Wood, 24, Travis, 23. These are things, by the way, 26. These are things, uh, Trevor, people should know. Yeah. Carol Dale. Willie Davis, 87. Carol Dale. Willie Davis, 87? Yeah. Morris Stroud, that was the Kansas City Chiefs. Buck Buchanan, I think, was 89, too, for them. If we 86. Go Buck was 86? I think so. We're going to have to do this numbers thing. Man, yeah. yeah, you guys let me know when you're done. We are, not yeah, go ahead. I, I, we got to get into the numbers thing eventually <laughs> when we come through. So, Trev, go oh, ahead. Man. All right, last one. I saw you talking with Greg Matzik from TMJ down in Milwaukee about this whole over-under of getting ejected thing. And I know that you're a, a different man, and you don't think you're going to be ejected. Um, why don't you think you're going to get ejected not even a single time this year? Are you, are you challenging me? Are you betting me? Mm-mm. Are you betting Mm-mm. me? Nope. No. Uh, should I bet you? I don't think I should bet you. I've seen Angel Hernandez calls balls and strikes. He will test a man's will. <laughs> I love Angel. I love Angel. <laughs> love him. It's because you're um, not hitting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, won't, I won't be ejected. Why'd you get ejected when you took the scorecard out there that one day? Was it last year? It's a great story. Great story, but yeah, I got ejected. One person in the building knew that it was going to happen or knew that there was a possibility it was going to happen. You? And um, no, no, there was, there was another person. I won't reveal his identity, but he's on the team. Anyways, you know, he had mentioned to me, he goes, hey man, let him have it about that. You know, like, don't, 
I mean, we can't just take it like that. Like, let them have it. Let them know that, that you know, they, they screwed us yesterday. Anyway, I go up there and I don't say a word to the umpire. It's now the third base umpire. And I don't say a word. And um, he looks at me and he goes, he calls me Tank because I call him Tank. He goes, hey, Tank, what's, what's the problem, man? You ain't speaking to me today? You think I missed those calls? And then I looked to the crew chief and I said, to the crew chief, I won't say his name. I said, hey, you heard what he just said. He started it. And I said, yeah, you missed all those calls. He goes, no, I didn't. Those right there, you get, you guys look at a different box than we look at. You're wrong. I said, I'm just telling you, you missed them. And that, that changed the game, in my opinion. You're different. And I started, I said, well, you're different. And then we started saying things not so nice to each other. And then the crew chief threw me out. And then the crew chief wrote a report that said that, that uh, I brought it up. Oh. And, uh, so, yeah, yeah. So that hurts. That's we're all friends now, I guess. I'm glad I brought it up. All right, we'll be watching closely. Jay, you're up. Wait, so now is it Ricky's job to go get thrown out in this situation if that happens? No, no, again? no, no. I did uh, a lot of my a lot of my a lot of my ejections as a bench coach. I don't know how many there were, but a lot of them were. I would say to Counts, I'd be so furious, and then I would hear Counts's voice, and then I knew how he chirped from the dugout when it was getting when it was getting to the point where he didn't care anymore in terms of getting thrown out. I knew when he get there, and I didn't want him to get thrown out because he was so valuable with all the information he had. And mm -hmm. and I'd say, hey, counts, let me do it, man. Let me do it. And he'd say, and he'd keep chirping. I'd say, counts, I'll put Hater in in the fourth inning. I promise. You. <laughs> he, he knew. He knew I was serious. I'm like, hey, man, you get thrown out, I'll put Hater in in the fourth inning. I promise. Oh. So then, awesome. then uh, you never you, like, you don't know when the uh, high leverage situation might be there in the fourth, and you got to bring that guy in for a key out and see what happens. So, all right, I'm going to run through these. We'll go quick, okay? We we'll just need it off the cuff. First off, uh, did you have did you have Florida Atlantic in your Final Four bracket last spring? No. How'd you feel about them beating U of A? That had to be just the best. That was a great feeling. Uh, there's a texturing that, that comes through my phone that I, I can't engage with because it's all day long, every game, they're close in any sport. It's just, it's uh, nauseating sometimes, but it's uh, a bunch of guys I played with back then. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been fun seeing that university get on the map. Um, you think what are the Pac-12 breakups since that's been such a baseball conference for so long? Yeah, that hurts, man. You think back at the six pack and you think back of the great champions from, from the pack 12 and all the sports. And, uh, it's just, you know, I guess something good will come of it. You know, uh, ASU going to the big 12 seems exciting. Uh, but college sports seems like, <clears throat> you know, this, all this transition, um, there's going to be, you know, some wounded in the pack 12 is, you know, the recipient, I think. I just think of like, I think ACC and I think basketball and I think big 12 and I think football and, and I think PAC 12, right. And I just think that's, that's baseball's yeah. that conference. I think it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, where did the Springsteen thing come from? Like you're crazy for this dude. Yeah, I am. I got, uh, I got drugged to a concert in 1980 in Hollywood, Florida and saw the river. Um, I went there because of a female and, and then, you know, stayed we were in the mud it was raining and this guy played for like five and a half hours i couldn't believe it and um i didn't want to go to the thing i never really <laughs> listened to the guy 
And then it kind of stuck with me, but I didn't really know. Then when I got to Notre Dame in, in 88, um, or 80, fall of 87, uh, one of my players, John Flanagan, you know, he had heard that I liked Bruce or something. I didn't even like him that much, but um, all of a sudden he starts educating me on what this guy's about. And, uh, and man, I'll tell you, it's been a love affair ever since, man. The guy is, uh, man, I'll tell you, you want to talk about a guide. This guy's unbelievable, man. Wait, so you had a Notre Dame player named Flanagan. What are the chances? What are the chances? <laughs> what are the odds? Chris <laughs> Flynn and O'Brien. Uh, <laughs> who who could have guessed that that was the case? Uh, do I have this right? The 1998 ASU uh, World Champion uh, uh, College World Series team. Uh, that was a Thunder Road team, right? Didn't you used to pick out a, 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 a every year? Song? Every year we had a um, our motto included a, a Springsteen song, so it was Thunder Road. We're, it's a town for losers. We're pulling out of here to win. No Name me one of the two Northwoods leagues your son played for, teams. Uh, Chinooks and Kenosha. Very good. Trev, is that, Trev's, Trev knows all things North Northwoods league. That's Kenosha, Kingfish, Lakeshore, Chinooks. Yep, he's right. I mean, of course he's right. Uh, he's give right. me your best no-money minor league baseball player story. Brasso, Mike Brasso. Um what do you mean, no money, minor league baseball player? Like, like you're me? playing in the you're playing in the minors. You oh. got no money, and, but oh, yeah. it was the best time of your life. Give me one. I lived in a bus um, <laughs> with my daughter's mother. We didn't have a bathroom, and the bus was in Salem, Virginia. And the bus they said was was being designed for the Oak Ridge boys, but it didn't have a bathroom, so they didn't accept it. So they parked it next to this motel, the Salem Motor Inn, in Salem, Virginia. I lived in that bus. The beds that they built were wooden planks that weren't long enough. So I, I put milk crates and a pillow on top to complete the bed. Uh, we lived in there together. If you had to go number one, you just went out the side of the bus towards a little creek behind. If you had to go two, you had to go into the Salem Motor Inn and ask for permission to use the, the public uh, toilet. Um, and we had cable TV. No air conditioning, no no heat, but... Uh, we had cable TV because there was a wire hooked up to the, the Salem motor in that gave us cable TV. That's no what money. I'm talking about right there. Uh, do you still play the nine game at the hotels where you have to make the, the digits make a nine? How'd you, know that that? To Trevor? How'd, you, how'd you know about it? Okay. So I know, every Doug hotel, I know people. All right. So what happens is we get off the plane, we're walking down the, we get on the, the, the tarmac and, uh, our traveling guy is giving us the hotel rooms and envelopes and you know, your name and then there's your number. So I get on the staff bus and then the ritual is everybody gives me a number that tries to stump me that it doesn't equal nine in some way. So nobody's ever stumped me. David Stearns thought he had me and said that like, well, you can't do it that way. I'm like, Dave, it's my game. I did it. I win. So I was, in, I was, in, I was in a room in Omaha that year uh, in 98 and I was in room 1142 and uh, I'm like, good Lord, what am I going to do here? Uh, and I, I was, it was one times one was one, uh, right. four minus one was three. And then I squared three and got nine. So I'm like, See, I feel like I'm in. Third says you can't square things. And I'm like, come on. Of course you can. 
My game. Uh, I'm a proud Mizzou guy. This hurts me. How come you recruited over my guy, Ian Kinsler, and brought in uh, Pedroia? I didn't recruit over him. Um, I feel like you recruited day. over my guy. It's the best thing that ever happened to the Tigers. Yeah, I know. And, and uh, one of my one of my many stupid mistakes, but um, <laughs> Kinsler was brought in to be the shortstop. Pedroia was, was the second baseman. Kinsler was a skinny, skinny weak kid with the big swing, same swing he has today that works good. Mm-hmm. I tried to change it and get him to hit the ball to right field more. And um, yeah, it wasn't a great phase in my life, but um, I moved Pedroia to short and uh, told Kinsler, hey, you can come back, but you're going to play second. He said, no, I'm a shortstop and I can, I can do better. And I offered him a scholarship back, but I said, you're going to have to play second. Mm-hmm. And he chose to leave and it, you know, it hurt me because um, he ends up being a great major league player and an all-star and second base, although, but right. still, um, <laughs> you know, he was a great player. He had a great temperament for the game. And I knew that. And uh, I look at that as a huge mistake on my part. I really do. Like I've never even told him that, but um, yeah. Listen, really my, my alma mater gained by that. Uh, I don't care if he ended up being a big leaguer or not. Give me the best college player you coached. Yeah, I mean, I think Pedroia's got to be it. You know, he just said it. When he came to our program and then he was kind of what we were about, you know, that just set a set a tempo. In the next four years after that, we were in Omaha 3. You know, it's like he just really set the tempo. We're going to be like this. For years, Arizona State was – you could get the best players. You could get Bonds and Jackson. But with the scouts getting so good, you couldn't get those first-round picks or those type of talents anymore. Mm-hmm. So I always thought Arizona State needed to be the Pedroia types and, and or guys that didn't – like Kinsler, who weren't physically able when they came out of high school to do it yet. And, um, you know, that's that's where the, the learning curve comes in is that you need to be that type of team. And I think that's that's college baseball. We've touched on Notre Dame. We touched on Arizona State. Is Claremont Mud Scripps one college job or three? <laughs> All right. It's the Claremont Colleges. There's five colleges. Claremont, McKenna, which is the business school. Mud's, uh, Harvey Mudd, which is the engineering school. And Scripps, which is all girls. Then there's Pomona mm-hmm. College and Pitzer College. All five are on the same campus. They run two athletic departments. Claremont Mud Scripps is one. Pomona Pitzer is another. Now, hold on. Famous basketball coach when I was there at Claremont Mud Scripps. I'm the assistant football head baseball. The basketball coach at Pomona at that time, Pomona Pitzer, Greg Popovich. Point guard, Budenholzer. Budenholzer, wow. That's a fact. Look it up. Popovich. There's a lot going on. He does. He taught. He he mentioned that when he was in his Hall of Fame speech, he was very much like, "I'm still just the guy that you know, got the job at Pitzer and liked to you know do X's and O's, and then then I drafted David Robertson. And my life changed. You know, all those other things. <laughs> uh, okay, so you talk as you. Uh, if you got to send one guy to the plate, because I love both of them, uh, would you send Bonds or would you send Reggie? I'd say Bonds. Yeah. Okay. And the last one, this is always where we test people Trevor does not know. Here we go. What are the chances Trevor knows who Wes Rachels is? 
He doesn't know. No, of course he did. Unfortunately, yeah. he did. That was a game. How, how does that game get 21-14, by the way? Like what? I realized that you're, you know, was it uh, who was the starter? Mills, Ryan. What was Ryan? He he pitched out here in, in Double A. Um, just his he arm was signed like, his agreement. He signed his agreement two days before. They had a party for him, and now he's a pro. He signs for two million. Um, he was a great pitcher for us. He punched out fifteen versus SC the last time he faced him, and he went out there and he pitched great against Miami the earlier game in in. Uh, uh, the College World Series to bring us to the finals. SC had already lost a game, but the format back then was it didn't matter if you lost a game. It wasn't right. double elimination. We were undefeated, um, but for TV purposes or whatever else, we play 11 o'clock championship game, and um, they were coming off, you know, four straight wins after getting beat. And, um, yeah, they, they got to Mills early, and um, he couldn't settle down, and, and uh, then it was on. And we – we made it. We made it uh, nine to eight at some point, and um, yeah. Well, that's that was the last thing I was gonna say. Does that outcome change if it's not the CBS needs a winner on Saturday and it's yeah. the ESPN? We give you two out of three. I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. But Jason Lane, who's our third base coach, will tell you different. Um, he hit a grand slam in that game, and um, yeah, I think he gave one up in that game too. But he doesn't usually mention that. But uh, he, he gives me a hard time. He, a funny story in AAA. Lane's, Lane's a, uh, a guy trying to make it back to the big leagues as a pitcher after five years as an outfielder. He's in the Padres. We're in AAA. We're in Sacramento. He shows up that day as a new player from an independent team. And um, Jason, we both know each other. We've never spoke to each other. And, you know, he goes out for BP, and I'm throwing the last group of BP. And, I square him up in the back with a for the ball. And uh, he looks out, didn't miss a beat. And I have a big smile on my face. He looks out and he goes, You've been waiting to do that for a long time. Uh, it's fine. So the next day we come into the clubhouse and he has a box on my desk, manager's desk. He has a box and it says, big card. It says, Couldn't have done it without you. Open it up. It's his national championship ring. Oh. <laughs> We got the last laugh again. It is. Uh, I'm curious as it goes through because uh, I love Omaha. I love college baseball, even 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 with the aluminum bat ping. Uh, how some of those results had changed. I told you before. Uh, I was lucky enough to cover a lot of Oklahoma State and Gary Ward, and there were teams that they lost these one offs. Where I'm thinking, if you had two out of three, I don't know that you beat Robin Ventura and Pete Incavilia and Monty Ferris and those guys two days in a row, let alone when that comes through. So the beauty is now when you get to the World Series, you will have seven. So there's no rush, right? Like we'll want to win the first one, but you'll have seven. I feel like that's a much better spot for any any manager. Yeah. And uh, I hope that's where we find you in October. We appreciate you visiting with us here to start off our new year in in, in 24. We are thrilled for you. It's amazing. Uh, and Trevor and I have said a million times, like I've seen the Packers win a Super Bowl. I have seen the Bucks now win a championship. I'm here and have been since I was about seven and saw George Scott at first base and Del Crandall was in your seat waiting for the Brewers to win a damn World Series. So uh, no pressure, but, you know, listen, I need you to win the World Series. It's that simple. Yeah, please. Awesome. That's all it is. Awesome. <laughs> well, that's the goal. That's, that's, that's where we're moving to. you got to believe it. So let's believe it. Very good, Pat. Good luck to you and the, and, and the crew. Thanks, you guys. I really appreciate it. 
So it's fresh blood with like a tenure. Either way, I'm jacked. Let's go. Brewer season. I know it's January. Screw it. It's 2024 now. Let's let's just get there, shall we? Oh, I feel bad that some of this uh, will just have to end up on the cutting room floor, you know, because mm-hmm. um, he's he's just uh, he is a baseball guy through and through, you know, and now after eight years, he's a brewer guy through and through. But I, I I've just I always enjoy baseball people, whether it's talking to Tim Kirkshin, Bobby Valentine, different, you know, just from all over, like those people yeah. just are uh, those are I love talking that game. Um, and now that I don't have to stay up nearly as late all the time for True. it, I've, the, my love of the game is coming back more and more. But uh, I just, you know, I find the thing fascinating. Like, I think we could have just talked about the pitch clock and bunting for a long time. I don't know right. if that's great <laughs> for the people, but I like I'm in, you know. So I try to remember that we're doing this for the larger audience and not just my humoring me because I'd like to talk baseball with the Brewers manager. But, uh, um, yeah, I'm with you. Let's start spring training. Ready, go. It was interesting. Obviously, he's got a long-time relationship with Craig Council, right? And we're not – our goal wasn't to make him pick sides because that would be stupid, and that's not happening. However, I There's did only one side of this, Trevor. There's no sides to pick. Oh, no. <laughs> he's got a, I, I'm partial to the human side. Maybe that's it. I'm pissed, too. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, like – well, and here, I wrote this down. Didn't have the nuts to say it to him. February 28th, Cubs at Brewers spring training. That's the first time that they're going to lock yeah. horns, whatever that means, right? May 3rd at Chicago. That's the first regular season game where they play each other. May 27th. I don't know what you got on your calendar, but I guarantee mm-hmm. you I will be at Miller Park Sloop and Fan Field so that when they come out of the dugout. Start a fight. I don't want to start a fight. Start no. a fight. No. It, we're, listen, I lost my voice. I don't know if you know this or not, but I use my voice to make a living. I lost my voice for three days when Favre came back in purple. And we're going to boom. He's gonna council will be booed. It's just gonna happen. There's nothing we can do about it. Okay, these things happen. We should Don't talk about think? that. That'd be a good top five sometimes. Some homecoming things we've been to. Because I went, uh, even though I was living out here, I was here for the um, uh, when Holmgren returned. And oh. Far, remember Far went crazy and threw 700 picks. No. Oh yeah, Seattle came. It was a Monday night. And he threw, I think, four at least and probably five. He was just jacked up and just wanted to show it and threw it all over the lot, and they just got creamed. Got creamed. So, anyway, that's that's, that's, right. that's another day. We'll save that. Excuse me. We'll save that for a top five list yeah. for sure. And now it's story time in a different way. What's up on the next episode? First episode here of John Wisconsin in 2024. What's good? Well, first, I'm going to give you a little a, a quiz because we've, we're talking baseball and spring training. Do you know how many you, how many baseballs usually they take to spring training? Not athletes, Only how many baseballs? And I know this baseballs. I was at Diamondback spring training one year when I'm down there in Arizona, and I go, and I just went, I wonder how many baseballs it takes to get through spring training. So I went, and it was a dumb question, and I asked, how many do you think it is? I'm going to say 2,500. 600 dozen baseballs is what they Come order. Here. 600 dozen, 7,200 baseballs is how many baseballs they order for spring training. Now, that's wow. as of 25 years ago when I was there. I don't know. Um, but, yeah. And so then just my story of the day, obviously, was to go see how many baseballs I could count. You know, and just asking different players, how many how many baseball? And, you know, especially you'd go to the catchers. 
and you'd be like uh, 7,200. Wow. That's I'm like, how many do you have? And they, they just look in their bag and all of a sudden like, wow, I got like 13 baseballs. Why do I need this many baseballs? <laughs> like you find them everywhere. Yeah. 7,200 baseballs. Uh, that has nothing to do with this other than that's today's trivial fact in baseball. Funny, and you should know it. that 600 dozen baseballs generally how they start. Uh, so this is Kyle, this is sort of, um, kind of spanning the durations, generations, because it was from when I was in Oklahoma, but it was Warren Spahn, legendary baseball player, Milwaukee yep. Braves, old enough that he was a Boston Brave, old enough that like Ted Williams, he took time off to fight in the freaking war and still be the winningest left-handed pitcher ever. And uh, But it's how the business that I'm in sometimes just you have curious stories that I will sit back and I find uh, remarkable. And when I write my book that will never actually be written, it'll be a chapter. Uh, so we have to go out and it is on the anniversary of Willie Mays's very first home run, the great Willie okay. Mays first home run, which was given up by Warren Spahn. Oh. Who knew? So he lives in uh, broken arrow, Oklahoma at the time. So we fly out, uh, drive out and there he is. And we set up and, you know, it's, not to, you know, elaborate lights and we got to make it look good. And we sit there and I'm doing a little for us and it's going to go to CBS or NBC game of the week, whoever mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm, commissioned mm-hmm. us as well. So I'm going to make a few bucks on the side. And so we sit down and there's Warren Spahn and we get us up and, and we, there's really only one question, you know, tell me, uh, describe what happened on the day he gave up his first home run. Okay. So he sits down, he, you know, he's listening. You knew the guy came with a reputation. He had played some of the Negro leagues. He was good. And, uh, and then he hit the home run. I threw him this pitch, whatever it was. And he whacked it out of the park. And I can distinctly remember him saying it, it, it wasn't a wall scraper, right? Like it was a legit home run. He powered <laughs> it out. Okay. There it is done five minutes, 10, 10, 12 minutes to sit up. It's five minutes. And so Warren Spahn says, okay, you didn't come here to just fill up my day for five minutes. So now we're just going to talk. And so we took everything down and I sat at his, at Warren Spahn's kitchen table and talked baseball and the Milwaukee Braves for an hour. Oh, and Hank, his teammate, Hank Aaron and Willie Mays and what it was like when they moved from Boston to Milwaukee. And, and you're just like, now I'm like, okay, I feel like he told me I got to stay. So I didn't waste his time for five minutes, but now it's sort of like the alcoholic, right? One is too many and 12 is not enough. Should I be leaving now? Because I could stay and talk more. Yeah. (laughs) It has nothing to do with, you know, same guy. You know how many pitches you need to be a great pitcher? Two, the one they're looking for and the one to cross them up. Ah, yes. There you go. No matter what percentage of the time they come across the plate. Like, how great is that? You need two pitches. Here's the one they're looking for. Here's the one they're not. I'm going to throw the one they're not looking for. Jeez. Uh, So that is, uh, that's sort of a baseball uh, edition because of Pat and the, and the new year and, uh, and uh, the new baseball season, which I know we might be in the depths of winter now, but we got to man's got to have hope. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and it's one of the crazy things that has happened to, uh, and by the way, this is the same golf course I was at. He lived off this golf course. Um, uh, I believe it was called Indian Springs. I think it's probably changed its name now. Uh, they're in Oklahoma, native America. Uh, it's the same place that I was at uh, when Johnny bench got the call to get in the hall of fame. The old binger banger. So the place has been good to me. <laughs> so, jeez, yeah, Johnny. And came as of today, under forty today. days until pitchers and catchers report. There it is. So, and there won't be anybody quite like Warren Spawn, who was yep. uh, who was amazing, right? Spawn and Shane and pay for rain, and uh, was on the night. It was on the uh, fifty-seven team, even though it was Lou Burdett who won three games. 
uh, for that team. We didn't, since he knew 1957, we didn't have to go through any of that. Uh, but yeah, it's just one of the curious things and one of the cool things that has happened. And like I said, especially because it wasn't just anybody, it was a Milwaukee Brave, right? Like mm -hmm. he, he, you know, he knew Eddie Matthews and played with him and knew Hank Aaron and played for him and yeah. threw to Del Crandall. And Ernie Johnson's dead. You know, so yeah, would have known. And it's a shame back, you know, that was 30 years ago. Um, who knew Jeez. what it was? But yeah, so that was the day that I spent uh, with Warren Spawn at his kitchen table just talking baseball for an hour, which is kind of how I feel like this episode went with Murph. Like we talked a little bit, and then, like you said, some will be on the cutting room floor. But before we started and afterwards, we kind of talked a lot with him. And, uh, it was awesome. Yeah. And then just remember, next time you go to spring training or if you find a game, go, wow, there's 7,200 baseballs lying around here somewhere. A lot of baseballs being thrown around. There you go. Happy New oh, Year, man. my friend. Happy New Year. What a way to start it off. Thanks to Pat Murphy, Milwaukee Brewers, for joining us here on the first episode of the Inside Wisconsin Show in 2024. I don't want to, like, fast-forward life, but I'm jacked. <laughs> now I'm jacked. Like, let's go. Right. Go Brewers. Awesome. All right. For John, I'm Trevor. As you were, Wisconsin, we'll see you next time. Remember to subscribe on YouTube, leave a review, smash the like button, just get with us. The Inside Wisconsin Show is brought to you by American Family Insurance, Aaron's Company, Blaine's Farm and Fleet, Capital Credit Union, Festival Foods, Quick Trip, Miller Lite, North Star Mohican Casino Resort, and the University of Wisconsin Platteville. <laughs>